Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is, But If Not. I'm actually re-preaching a message I heard in church. I added a bunch to it, but it is one of the best messages I have heard in years. So I just want you to know tonight, this is a word for you, and it is a right now word to I'm not even kidding. And boy, did the devil fight me on this thing. I had worked for three full days trying to get this all written and arranged just like, you know, it needed to be. And then earlier today, I'm sitting there, I'm talking on the phone to my friend Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. And (laughs) the entire thing corrupted right in front of my eyes on the Word document. I mean, it literally disappeared. I sent her a picture of it. She couldn't even believe it. I've never seen that happen before, ever. And I have Office 360. I don't have the software. I tried very hard not to cry, first of all, and then not to freak out. And I'm like, I got to get off the phone and figure out what to do. Because it was my podcast, you know, for the whole week. So anyway, I was able to recover it after rebooting so that you get to hear it. So today we're going to talk a little about the story of the three Hebrews that Daniel knew who got tossed into the fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3. The original form of this message was written by another minister, like I said, and I just felt really strongly the Lord wanted you all to hear it. Okay, so let's review the story. First of all, King Nebuchadnezzar had made a huge statue, and it was gold all over. He was very proud of it, and so he called a meeting to which everyone who was anyone was told that whenever this certain music played, they had to fall down and worship his golden idol, or they would be tossed into the fiery furnace. Soon after, some of the Chaldeans came before the king and accused some of the Jews. The Jews were captives out of Judah. Apparently, there were some Jewish people in the land who refused to go along with the high ruler's idol-worshiping agenda. So starting in Daniel chapter 3, verse 12, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee, They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. To understand his strong reaction, you should know that not only was Nebuchadnezzar a highly respected military conqueror, but at this time he was one of the most powerful rulers in the world. So he was used to being obeyed. Without question, I'm sure. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, (laughs) this is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, probably the favorite. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, 
O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know, Job said in Job thirteen fifteen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Now let's think about something for a minute. How did these men get faith so strong that they did not even waver in the face of death? And not only death, but a painful death. Burning is not a great way to go, okay? They knew God could deliver them, and they were willing to stake their life on it. This was before the time of Jesus and all the miracles he did. They were back in the days of the law. They would have heard the stories of Moses and the Red Sea miracles, but uh, that's pretty strong faith, y'all. Do you think God had a purpose in allowing all this to happen? Could it be that he wanted to challenge them to be faithful and believe even while facing something they did not know how to handle? If he did not have a purpose in this, clearly we would not still be preaching about it today and being inspired by their great faith. The three Hebrews for sure had three things right. Number one, they were committed. They committed along with Daniel to eat the less desirable food of exile. Why? Why did they choose just vegetables and water instead of the richer Babylonian food? They did not want to get comfortable with the enemy. They did not want to get comfortable with a place that was not God's will for them. They did not want to get comfortable living above their means. They did not want to receive anything just because it looked good and it smelled good from the enemy. And God said, that's a word from somebody. They knew the enemy did not have their best interest at heart, but God did. Number two, they chose their companions well. The three of them were companions of Daniel. Who are your companions? Do you keep company with other believers, or will just anybody do? Do you keep company with people who walk in right paths or who try to lure you onto wrong ones? Are you hanging out with someone who is always negative, who never has anything nice to say, or is someone who inspires you to go higher and do better for the Lord? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Have you ever hung around somebody that everything that came out of their mouth was something evil or profane? Psalm 1.1 Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Proverbs 13.20 He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The third thing they had was confidence. They had to have known that God does not always rescue us from circumstances. We know that too, because if he did, the Bible would not say there are martyrs under the altar in heaven crying out. If he always rescued us from our circumstances, the apostles would not have been martyred. The only one who did not die a martyr or die a violent death was John. In our case, we have to remember We have been bought with a price, a very precious price. And that means the Lord has the right to not only our life, but also our death. Think about that. 
How did they ever arrive at that level of confidence in the Most High God? They did not have the ability to have a personal relationship with him like we do. The priests did everything in those days. I think they heard about the Red Sea and things like that and realized that God was very mighty. Maybe they meditated on that and built their faith that way. But they had just made up their minds that whatever King Nebuchadnezzar did, their confidence was still in God. Daniel 3.19 Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Seven times hotter, y'all. It should be noted here that this was not a small oven like you make your dinner in. This was a huge industrial oven like they baked bricks and smelted metal in. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The three Hebrew men said, If we die, we die, but we are still not bowing down to the enemy's attacks. Can you just say amen? They were faced with a hard decision in a time when God seems to have set them up to demonstrate doing what is right. And you know what? If they had chosen to bow down, if they had compromised their principles, just to not make a big deal about it, in order to be accepted, they would have died anyway. They would just have died in a different way at a different time, and we would have never heard about them or been inspired by their great faith. So the king had had a giant gold statue erected and ordered all the people in his kingdom to worship it. So let's talk about King Nebuchadnezzar for a minute. Nebuchadnezzar II, this is Nebuchadnezzar II we're talking about, was the son of his father, Nabopolassar, who was the first king of the Babylonian Empire. He was raised learning about the gods and the customs of the nation. As he grew older, he became a general in his father's army. In 605 BC, he fought against Egypt and Assyria at the Battle of Carchemish, where he beat them. His dad, Nabopolassar the king, died only two weeks later at the age of 53. So Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon to become king of the Babylonian Empire. He, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, is the king that is said to have built the Hanging Gardens. They're supposed to be one of the wonders of the world. Nebuchadnezzar II was coronated on September 23, 605. He is known as the greatest king of Babylon of all time. He was a man of exceptional military and organizational talent. In fact, to this day, his surviving monuments are without rival in Mesopotamia. Nebuchadnezzar, when he chose some of the brightest and best captives to be enrolled in Babylon's educational system in order they be fed with the best of the food in Babylon, 
and given the best of accommodations, was undoubtedly intending to seduce the young exiles with the splendor of Babylon and ingratiate them to himself. That way, he could reinstate them in their native lands and have them be loyal Babylonian bureaucrats. Or so he thought. So the three Hebrew men had refused to bow down and worship the image Nebuchadnezzar had built. Nebuchadnezzar was enraged when they refused to obey his command. Abshak, Meshach, and Abednego politely declined the king's dainty food and asked if they could be allowed to eat the food of exile for ten days, and if they were as healthy as others to continue to do so, and that food of exile was vegetables and water. They did not refuse the food because it was not kosher, but because they did not want to be seduced by the wealth and privilege of Babylon. They did not want to get comfortable there because they remembered who they were and whose they were. So instead of enjoying the fleshly pleasures that were freely offered to them in that moment, they chose to keep in the forefront of their minds that this was a time of God's judgment, and they were captives in a foreign land ruled by a pagan king. Dangerous beliefs were all around them. No one knows for certain what Nebuchadnezzar's golden image was, but scholars think it may have been the image he saw in the dream that Daniel interpreted in Daniel chapter 2. You know, the one with the head of gold, the arms of silver, the feet of clay, and all that. Because Daniel, who gave God all the glory, was able to interpret the dream for the king no one else could interpret, he was promoted. When he was promoted, he asked that the three Hebrews be made his assistants. Now, Nicole told me something this week that I never heard before. She said that Daniel and the three Hebrew men were believed to have been eunuchs. Look at Daniel chapter 1. Daniel 1, 7, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. Other translations say that the chief of the eunuchs. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. So if they were given into the care of the chief of eunuchs, we would believe that they were eunuchs. So if you think you're having a bad week, just think about what these guys went through. Taken from their homeland in a time of God's judgment, renamed foreign names, had all kinds of foreign training and education and customs forced on them, and may have been castrated against their wills on top of that. And I don't know. But I don't think they had any anesthesia back then, y'all. The next time you have a bad day, that should really help you put it into perspective, I'm just saying. Daniel 3.24 Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, that means he was astonished, and rose up in haste and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. Now notice something. When they went into the fiery furnace, when they went into what would be the equivalent of their wilderness, they were bound. They had bondages, but when they came out, they were loose. They were free. So I just wanted to mention that. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, 
nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. They came out without even the smell of smoke on them, y'all. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Boy, that's right. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So after the whole ordeal with the three Hebrew men, Nebuchadnezzar still did not believe in anyone but himself. So the Lord gave him a dream. He sounded like he did believe just now, but he didn't. Preferring to show mercy rather than judgment, God gave him a dream. The dream was of a magnificent tall tree that was then ordered to be cut down. Daniel interpreted the dream in Daniel 4, but Nebuchadnezzar still did not repent of pride in his greatness. And Daniel told him this was a very bad thing that was going to come upon him. At the end of 12 months after Daniel interpreted the dream, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and he giveth it, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Three verses later, we read of the outcome. At the same time, my reason returned unto me. This is Nebuchadnezzar saying this. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. So Nebuchadnezzar II, who was known as Nebuchadnezzar the Great, was the longest reigning king of the Chaldean dynasty and was one of the most powerful rulers in the world at the time of his death in 562 B.C., at the age of 80, which according to the World History Encyclopedia, went as follows. He died peacefully in the city he had built after a reign of 43 years, but Babylon would not last even another 25 after his death. The city fell to the Persians in 539 BCE. See, that's what happens when you have the nicest palace around and all those cool hanging gardens and all that. And later efforts to restore it by Alexander the Great never elevated it to the heights it had known under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar II. You know, when you walk through those fiery trials in your life as a believer, you can be certain the Lord will walk with you through them. You never walk alone. He promised never to leave or forsake us, and he won't. 
There may be times when we are freaked out and we cannot feel him. he is there, but he cannot lie. He is still there. When you stand for God, you stand out. It may be painful. It may not have a happy ending. Are you prepared to say, my God is well able to deliver me from this fiery furnace, but if not, I'm going to tell you all a story. On September 1st, 1939, Nazi Germany began what we call World War II and swept across Europe in what Hitler called his lightning war. When it was all said and done, Hitler had driven the Allies back to the sea. Nearly 500,000 British and French troops were trapped at the small city of Dunkirk on the English Channel. Germany had them at their mercy. Hitler's armored divisions were only 15 miles away and Luftwaffe bombed and strafed the hapless armies below. Several of the leaders in Britain discussed trying to bribe or cut a deal with Hitler. Sir Edmund Ironside, chief of the Imperial General Staff, confided to a colleague that this is the end of the British Empire. Harold Nicholson, a member of the British government, wrote his wife that they might be compelled to commit suicide. It was at that desperate moment that the churches of Britain called for a national day of prayer. Numerous political leaders, newspaper editors, and King George VI issued a call for a national day of prayer on Sunday, May 26th, and people were flocked to the churches in droves, and long lines were formed outside of places of worship. As the British people anxiously await word of their fate, a three-word message was transmitted from the besieged army, but if not... The British public instantly recognized the message. It's a reference to the biblical story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing before King Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace. Our God is able to save us, but if not, we will remain faithful to him anyway. At 7 o'clock, May 26, the order was issued to attempt a desperate evacuation of Dunkirk. Every tiny vessel and private craft was sent across the often treacherous waters of the English Channel. But something strange happened over those nine days of rescue. Hitler ordered his troops to halt in order to give the Luftwaffe the chance to seal their victory. But German air power was hampered by the extremely unfavorable weather in the skies. Additionally, a fog settled in that hid the troops as they boarded the boats. And the normally treacherous channel waters became unnaturally calm. At the end of nine days of the one-half million men trapped at Dunkirk, 336,000 were saved. Why? Because our God is mighty to save. Our God is able to deliver us. And when God steps up to defend you, there is no power on the face of the earth can, that can withstand him. That is a story from Family News from Focus on the Family, May 2000. How many times has the devil looked at you and said, I'm going to turn up the heat until they stop praising, stop worshiping, stop giving, stop encouraging. Everyone I know is so battle-weary right now. We are so worn out from fighting the same old battles over and over. And you know, sometimes it feels useless. It's not, of course, but you do get tired. So I just want to tell you today that there is purpose in this season because the Word says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. 
Warren Wiersbe once noted that when God permits his children to go through the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. And that is the truth, y'all. Our nation is circling the drain and there is not much time left, y'all. We all know it. And we sometimes wish, wish we had a little bit more time, but sometimes we're glad that we don't because it means we get to go be with our king. We all see what is transpiring and we're worn out from talking about it. Our nation is under judgment which means about the most we can do is pray for mercy for ourselves and the people we love and what is coming. Most of all, we need to know our God is with us. He is well able to supply all that we need, and he is able to deliver us from the oppression we are coming under. But if not, if he doesn't, I want you to examine your heart today. Are you strong enough to stand on what you believe, even as everything around you is going up in flames, like those three Hebrew men? who showed so much faith back in Daniel's time. When the flames are coming closer and the Calvary is not on the way to save you, when it's your own government who wants to cause your death because you refuse to bow down and worship their twisted ideas, is your faith strong enough? I want you to think about that because there is no more important question to meditate on this week than that one. We must endure to the end. And that means not taking the easy way out when they take everything we have from us. It means standing for what we believe as we watch all we know crumbling around us, knowing our lives count for nothing down here, but our faith counts for everything up there. When that time comes, set your face like flint and determine to make your king proud. Pray that God forgive those oppressing you because as unsaved persons, they really will not know the seriousness of what they're doing or the punishment that will be coming for them for doing it. Let's go home, y'all. We'll all get together and talk about it when we reach the other side. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, seven two. Five three nine, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are often times of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. 
Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap? Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 is a collection of 58 short inspirational readings that will uplift, comfort, and encourage readers from every walk of life. Sidewalk Flowers includes inspirational tales and topics taken from the lives of everyday people who exhibited extraordinary wisdom, kindness, and courage while traveling the sidewalks of life. Get your copy of Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 today, available in print and new audiobook. Sidewalk Flowers, Volume 1, by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com, in print or new audiobook. There is no one on earth who has not been wronged at some time in their life. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has been hurt by someone. The pain you have suffered does not make you special. It is what you do with that pain that sets you apart. Life can make you bitter, or it can make you better. You choose. The only difference between the two is the I 